welcome to Hamden Thoughts, a podcast about ham radio, electronics, software, and tinkering. I'm your host, Dennis, FCC licensed amateur radio operator, call sign AD6DM. Today I'm lucky to have KI6NAZ, Josh Nass, also known as Hosh Nasi, on the show. Hosh, as I call him, is one of the most prolific ham radio opera- uh, operators and online personalities that I know, producing weekly live streams and countless other videos. He's a thought leader in normalizing this hobby, and he has introduced thousands of people to the world of ham radio. Very excited to talk with him today on episode 15. Stay tuned. Josh, great to have you on Zoom today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Dennis? Thanks for inviting me out. Oh, I'm, I'm doing great, too. And uh, yeah, this was a bit of a, it's almost an impromptu of a interview because I just reached out to you and said, hey, man, shot in the dark, but would you like to be on the podcast? And you're, you were very quick to answer. You said yes, but then I didn't hear from you for a while, so I thought maybe that you're really busy. I imagine you are because you're, I mean, you're producing so much stuff all the time. And um, maybe we can get into that later, but I bet you have a huge, like, continual backlog of things that you're working on and just kind of releasing them on a schedule. Generally, yes and no. So to one, to your first thing, yeah, no, I definitely love the podcast you're doing. Great stuff. Uh, I've been listening, I think, since you started pretty much. And all the interviews you've had and all the people you've had on, it's been really, really fun to kind of hear the points of view of, of other people, you know, I know um, kind of in the podcast space. So, yeah, I love doing podcasts. This is always great. On the video creation side, I, I generally try and stick to a one live stream a week and one kind of shorter form video a week. And that usually it ebbs and flows with a backlog of videos or where I'm doing them you know, as fast as they are getting made, I, I put them out. Some Sometimes I'll put together like three videos or I'll work on a couple of videos in one day. Mm-hmm. And I'll just take my time editing them all together over the next couple of weeks. It It's changed a lot as my YouTube channel has kind of evolved since uh, 2006 when I yeah. started. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I wanted to also play a few clips of your early videos hopefully that oh won't be too uh <laughs> too embarrassing i know even now i mean i i, I do a few um you know it, it is a progressing for me the the podcast and i, I mm-hmm. learn from my mistakes but then i go back and i'll like listen to my first one and i'll just kind of cringe <laughs> yeah but i just leave I, it out there i'm like okay that's where i was back then i'm just gonna leave it alone I'm not gonna try to edit it or remaster it or anything and and so um yeah, the cringe is real. The <laughs> yes. cringe is real in some cases, definitely but, for uh, some of my older videos, for sick, sure. 2006, man. So, yeah, why don't you tell us about yourself, you know, your beginnings, your background, and uh, how you got into ham radio. Mm-hmm. Well, I, uh, I got started in ham radio in 2007, and that was a byproduct of kind of meeting my first Elmer 
And it happened to coincide with the work that I was doing in the aerospace industry at the time uh, here in Southern California. I've lived in Southern California my whole life and my family's here. All my relatives and stuff are all pretty much in California. So I have a pretty close knit group of people that are all within, you know, 20, 30 miles of me. And about the same time I was getting into ham radio, I started a YouTube channel about the year before that. And they were completely unrelated. It was actually my wife who said, hey, you keep buying all this stuff. You got all these hobbies, you know, <laughs> and, you, and you like to talk to people about the hobbies because you got a lot of passion for whatever you're into at the time. Why don't you make like a video on it? Like just a couple of videos on whatever the hobby thing was. And this is back kind of in the wild west of YouTube where like nobody was affiliated with YouTube in any kind of way. So <laughs> you were just doing it to do it. Like people hadn't sorted out how deals work, affiliate links, any of that stuff. There was very little like YouTube ad revenue at the time, except for like the top, you know, level creators. So I was just out there doing it because it was, it was fun. And, you know, keep that going for six or seven years before YouTube even came to me and said, Hey, would you like to have monetize one of your videos? And it was the, uh, the Brinkman smoking pit uh, meat smoking barbecue thing <laughs> four foot long offset smoker i remember i got like thirty six thousand views or something on that video um in some kind of relatively fast order in the time and i was like wow this is crazy there's so many people that have watched this it's it was really interesting wow yeah i i was kind of going back i know that you recently had your your two-way interview with uh, kb9 rlw and so i did the same as as he did and went, I tried to sort by oldest yeah. on your, on your videos. And you did a lot of vlogging as well. That like, was a thing at a I certain point yeah. you did like, uh, I think you mentioned even on that interview that you were doing daily vlogging and it was pretty tiring doing the, what, 10 to 20 minute segments every day having to produce. I, I can't imagine having that kind of a pressure. Yeah. It, it, it was really, so it, it, it taught me a lot. I would say my channel was much different before I did the vlogging. In fact, I was kind of just bored with it. I would kind of just throw stuff up whenever I was interested. And it was just kind of chilling. It was just hanging out there. And I, I guess I got some kind of, you know, I got the same itch. I think everybody did it around the same time when everybody started vlogging was because of Casey Neistat. Everybody just went uh -huh. you know, nuts. Like, oh, this is something we can do. This is really fun. And nobody, I don't think most people thought that, they'd get any kind of money out of it. And I certainly didn't. I think the 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 peak of my channel during the vlog time, I think I went from 6,000 subscribers to a little over 10,000 maybe. And, and it, it's obviously gone up since then. But yeah. the vlogging was really more, again, just for me. It was also kind of a good way to to capture the, the growing up of my kids, you know, in, in mm -hmm. one of the videos. I, I highly edited it, but um, we've got like Edison's birth, like in video on YouTube, mm, which wow. is wild. And, you know, of course, I checked it with the wife and all that stuff before before it went live. But yeah, at a certain point, so over 600 days, every day, I would record stuff throughout the day and, and kind of stitch it together in some kind of story. And there'd sometimes be multiple days where it was kind of like a story arc. And, you know, there was others where it was just talking about something I was interested in, like a something I bought that I thought was pretty Man, cool. 600 was, days. Man. Yeah, six, over 600 days straight. And and I'll tell you what the biggest takeaway was. It's I got better at editing, sure, and I got better at, at taking 
shots and and looking at something and going like that would turn into a video or that would be interesting it was my editing um workflow mm-hmm. how i stitch the videos together and kind of how i approach making a video in the editing process kind of even before that when i'm shooting the shots improved dramatically i can get through a ton of videos way way faster if it if, if totally as a result of the vlogging wow well it's very apparent because I, I I watch your live streams a lot of the time. Five o'clock on Saturday will roll around, and I'll be like, "Oh crap! Drop what I'm doing, <laughs> run over to the computer." Well, thank but, you very um, much for that. <laughs> it's it's really apparent because you'll you'll do call-ins, you'll have interviews. There's a lot of impromptu going on, but it, I could tell you're very well practiced, and I'm only hoping that I can reach a comfort level with that with the uncertainty and the the unexpected things that come up and the technical failures. I know those are some of the most enjoyable live streams because you're just kind of fumbling around, but you're, you just keep such a, you know, very cheery, but calm under pressure kind of vibe. And I love it. And well, um, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And, but it's, and it's, really, it, you can see it. You're very practiced at these kind of things. And uh, I think that's part of the reason that the live streams are so good is that like even your build, streams like i could mm-hmm. never have that pressure of putting a kit together with people watching you know that is those are the those <laughs> are the most stressful no joke that is the most stressful i uh, if you go back to kind of when i started streaming when we started doing the weekly streams there was a lot of problems. I was running on a, a lower powered computer than you should. I was maxing out the USB or I was putting RF into everything that is in the room. Uh, and there was just all kinds of problems. And I, I guess it was some matter of like, one of, my, one of my favorite sayings is, you know, the enemy of good is great. And sometimes just being out there and doing it and trying it and, and sticking to it week after week, you just, it gets better over time. You make small little incremental changes, you get more comfortable and things just become much easier. So I, I look back at those streams and I'm like, man, that's kind of cringy. In fact, I'm thinking about redoing the technician videos because mm-hmm. those were really like my first ones. And yes. those ones are a little rough. It was before I had a camera that I could like zoom in closer to what we're seeing. So I'm like telling people, yeah, go read this page, but you could barely see the words on the page. You know, stuff like that yeah, jumps out yeah. at me. Let me, um, let me but, actually go back to that. I, I want to yeah, play yeah, yeah. a few of your videos. Sure. Uh, I'm going to play one called My Favorite YouTubers. It's just the beginning one. You were sick in this one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is October of 2015. Yeah, that's terrible. Right. And this is really good. You eat it hot and it soothes the soul. What? Okay. It soothes the soul just like chicken noodle soup does. It's great stuff. I almost like it more than chicken noodle soup. I feel like I'm just melting out of my face. I wanted to <laughs> still make a video though for today, and I figured the easiest thing I can do is just talk to you guys about my favorite YouTubers, the, the people that I watch most often than not, uh, the people right, I watch I'll, daily. I'll let the listeners actually uh, find that one and and find out who those favorite YouTubers were. But that's <laughs> that's uh, one of your vlog entries, so yeah. you're very committed to it, even though. You were sick. You're still like, well, I'm still gonna. What was I eating? Was it? It was like uh, a a rice rice, porridge. Rice porridge. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, man, I'm blanking right now, but I used to eat that in college so much. 
Yeah, um, I'm trying. I always forget <laughs> the name of it too. The what my wife calls it. It's not Champorado, um, but it's um, uh, Jiao. Jiao. Lu, no, no, that's in, in Tagalog. I think it's called Lugao. Lugao. I've heard that from from my Filipino friends, but she calls yeah. it something else. I think it's Jiao. Mm-hmm. I, I could be wrong, Good but stuff. yeah, you throw that's a uh, laugama is the laugama. I'm, I'm, I always butcher all the words, so I apologize. But the red chili <laughs> oil, the, yes, the Chinese yes. like red chili oil, that just throw that in there, eat it as hot as that you can. A, with, for me in college, yeah. that was a staple, and uh, mm-hmm. I actually lost so much weight in college that my mom was <laughs> so scared when she saw a picture of me. She was like, "Oh my gosh, what happened?" Then she upped my uh, support. <laughs> After that, she's just like, eat more. It's, you need to eat hunger more. Strike. <laughs> All right, here's another one. This is actually your uh, Let's Get Our Technician License Part 1 on mm. Ashnasi. What's up, guys? What's up, guys? What are we doing today? Well, today's Thursday, and listen to a little Sonic D music right now, getting ready for the class. Hope you all have your textbooks ready textbooks ready and waiting because we're going to cover a lot of stuff today so i'm guessing this is like the inception of the crash course itself right that is what kicked it off and i'm i i i kind of forget why i wanted to do no you know what i think it was yeah so when I when I wrapped up the vlogs, when I decided I'm like, you know, this is getting even too crazy for me. And my my wife and I, we talk all the time about this kind of stuff. And we were both kind of at the point. It's like we love it from the point of like capturing what the family's doing and, and literally watching our kids grow up is just it's crazy to look back at that. It almost puts tears in my eyes when I think about it. Um, the it got to the point that it was just like crazy, just every day, right? Hammering something out every day. Like, oh, dad's going to be gone for over an hour and a half as he's putting this together. <laughs> it it kind of turned into, well, why don't I just focus on like what I'm really passionate about? And through the whole, you know, since I got licensed in 2007, ham radio has always been a part of my life, but it wasn't like as large a part as it was when I hit eh, 2015 or so. Before that time, I, I upgraded to general and I started getting more active in, you know, um, doing soda activations, portable radio stuff, all that. And I made a couple videos, you know, called the ham radio crash course. And it was supposed to be this multi-part video series. And I think I got through like three of the videos. I didn't get it through all the way. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, I know of live streaming because I had been doing it with my friends in, in, in a completely different area of YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can do this. I know I can do this. And, and it would be a lot of fun to do this because live streams are always a lot, of, a lot of fun. And so I'm like, yeah, all right. And that'll save me some editing time because it's all going to be on, you know, it's just going to be done live and it just mm-hmm. goes up, boom. So that means I can do one video a week and then I can do the live stream. And so I said, what's a really easy way to get started? We'll just talk about getting your technician license. And then I can have people kind of follow along and get their license as they're learning more about radio. I'm like, that's perfect. This makes perfect sense. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of what started the whole thing off. So how long did it take to get to this current format in in live streaming where you have the chat running in the background and you know, you got your, I, I don't know what that is. It's kind of like a grid background going on and <laughs> it's cutting mat. Oh, cutting it's a, mat. A, okay. like a cutting mat. A lot of people have them on their workspace when they're, you know, putting together antennas and radios and whatnot. I would yeah. say it's been an incremental, it's just been an incremental step process. 
I'll change something. I'll get another camera. The biggest thing that changed was when I went um when I changed from the iMac that I was running on. Mm-hmm. I used to run all the shows on a 2011 iMac. Oh wow! Oh man, it was hard. <laughs> straining, it was very hard. Straining that that uh, iMac. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> taxing it, taxing it to the limit. And I ended up putting together uh, through the help of the the Discord moderators, particularly Loyal. Shout out to Loyal if you're listening. I've ended up putting together a, a Windows PC and mm-hmm. I built it. I literally, <laughs> I literally ended a stream and you could probably put this down as one of my worst shows. I don't even remember it because I was probably so frustrated by it. It went horribly <laughs> and it was just crashing all the time. The video was going in and out. The stream was failing. Mm-hmm. And I said, loyal, let's wrap up this part list, man. Let's do it. And so that day we put the parts together. I bought it all online. I shipped it as fast as I could without paying some astronomical shipping fees. Mm-hmm. And I think I put put it together either the day before or on the day of the stream. Oh, wow. For that following <laughs> so, week. It's like and, Star Trek. You know, you're testing the prototype in, oh, yeah. in battle. <laughs> yeah, we're testing the prototype in the battle. I got to go do some surgery on a photon <laughs> torpedo right now. I And what was the best part about it is, is once I had Windows running, it was just fantastic. It it was it was smooth. It was fast, and I didn't. It was not a very expensive computer, and I think it was under a thousand dollars for the for the t- tower and all the components. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it just got rid of all the problems. Like it got yeah. rid of all the problems that I had been experiencing with the iMac, and nothing wrong with iMacs. It's just it was, it's a ten, it's a ten year old uh, yeah, computer. Old. And it just made everything so much easier. So I could add in all those things that I had been wanting to do, the chat integration, the mo- more, more cameras, yeah. you know, all that stuff. And it's just improved the entire stream, I think, uh, for the better, just yes. by going to a new computer. Yeah. I mean, I uh, this podcast is because of a PC build for me. I was all on on Apple products before that. I had I was actually running everything off of a MacBook Air for the longest time, maybe six years. And trying to video edit on a MacBook Air is, oh, so hard. You just got to wait. I used to do that. When when I was vlogging and I would have to go on business travels or whatnot, um, the laptop that I took was a, was a MacBook Air. And I would, I would run Final Cut Pro on it. And I yep. would edit um, every day on a MacBook Air. And that's in addition, that's carrying also my work laptop. So I'm carrying two laptops nice. out. Yeah. Um, it cra- it is, it's just crazy the stuff that like I get myself into with, with this kind of thing, right? Because you, you see the videos, right? But there's so much back-end stuff that goes into it. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of a gadget nerd and geek anyway, so I'm always geeking out on that kind of stuff. And it's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff for me that I find fun. But, yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> – it has absolutely changed the quality of, of my production by just, you know, subtle things. Yeah. Certain cameras work better than others I've found. Um, certain cameras work good for vlogging, but not great for the videos I do now, right? I've, mm-hmm. I've totally shifted over to a different camera system. You know, it's YouTube's fun in that you get to if you're if you're interested in it, you can play around with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So much regularity and output in what you do. And uh, my feeling just seeing how much you're you're throwing out there and, you know, it's good you clarify that it's you aim for live stream and then something short sometime in the Mm -hmm. week. And then you just get things out there. But do you ever feel like, man, I'm just so tired. I just want to take a break. I just want to be out of this for maybe a month or two and 
<laughs> I I felt that way with the vlogs. After mm-hmm. 600 days of the vlogging, I felt that way for sure. And it was because I, I felt like I was stretching myself to the point where I wasn't making content that was interesting. Mm-hmm. People still watched it, but kind of totally different than it is now. Now, though, I find myself in the situation where obligated is the wrong word, but I know that there are people that do turn into the live shows that that do kind of want to see a video every week yeah and you know you've got the the patreon side of the house and and all the people over there that have really good ideas for videos and all that fun stuff so uh you know i almost feel like i'd be letting some people down if i if i didn't um keep it going now that's and let me be very clear because that can make people think oh he's he's so burdened by this no i'm not burdened (laughs) at all i'm I'm having a blast it's a lot of fun but that helps keep me motivated i guess is the right way to to think about it is it's a lot of fun it keeps me motivated and you know what you know a lot of people forget is it's not just the the two videos a week um i do a newsletter every month that i type up and i my wife begrudgingly i loved your last one by the way you talked at length about uh your experience with the 705, which is great. I appreciate that too. Thank you very much. My wife was actually editing it and she was like, are we, is this like 705 month? Are, are we going to, yes. are we going to stop talking about the 705 in, yes, the, in the future here? And I, and I said, well, I still really like it and I could probably include it in almost anything I do video wise because it kind of does everything. But obviously it's because it's the hot radio that came out that that's why everybody's talking about it. But well, it's timely wife, too, because you know, a lot of people are just now getting theirs and a lot of people yeah. are eagerly awaiting it. So yeah, even if you go on for the next month, people will, mm-hmm will want to read about it from you because of the fact that, oh, this is brand new for me and I need to uh, catch up on what Hosh has learned all this time. Yeah, there's a thing in the YouTube space we call evergreen content. It's where you make a video on a topic and the topic will remain valuable to people regardless of what time it is, right? There are, there are ham radio things that are going to be valuable for, for years and years from now. Yeah. Stuff like new radios coming out, it's usually pretty evergreen because they're going to stay popular for a while. So that's why you see a lot of creators that will jump on stuff like that because people are going to watch it. They're going to t- tune into it and they're going to want to see it. Yeah. Let's go back to best and worst shows. I want to know okay. what you think are the best and worst ones that you've you've done. Uh, as, a, as a creator, I can actually say it's if we're specifically talking about the ham radio crash course, I will say my best and worst video is the same video and it's worse from me living through it as the creator and best because everybody loved it. And that was the first Christmas light episode. Oh yes. The Christmas light antenna video (laughs) was the worst video for me because I had to live through just blowing everything up. That is certainly one of my favorites. Yes. Uh, nothing blew up. I didn't damage anything, but the RF just completely killed all the cameras, the mics, yeah. everything. You got the nice buzz through the uh, audio stream oh, yeah. every time oh, you yeah. transmitted. It was, it, was, it was a nightmare from my end on the production side, but it, you know, you just said you liked it. Um, everybody tells me it's one of their favorites, so it's like, okay, I guess it's, <laughs> I guess it's okay. Yeah. I think maybe because of like what you said, people like to see People like to see a train wreck every once in a while. Like, <laughs> so they go to the they go to the races to see a car get banged up yeah, a bit, that's right? True. So it's a little bit like that, but it was fun, right? We're having fun with it. Any other honorable mentions? Um, you know, there are uh, 
I have over a thousand videos, I think, that are on YouTube. And I would say there's probably 300, 400 that are privatized that mm -hmm. people can't even see them anymore. Mm -hmm. There was one video I did um, and it was it was a vlog video. So, again, you're trying to, like, crank out content. And somebody linked me to that uh, that guy. I think he was French. And he built the the jets that he had on his hands and his feet, and he would fly around. Mm -hmm. Remember that? It was, like, years and years ago. And I made a video saying, oh, this is, this is crap. This is a lie. You know, it's a hoax, whatever. Here's some video editing. We did some, like, big brain stuff on it, like trying to find where the pixels, hey, look, this is where you blah, 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 edited it. And it turned out it was completely wrong. So I did like a retraction. I just said, <laughs> ah, I'm going to take the video down because I felt bad. There's nothing uh -huh. I there's nothing I hate more than one when I'm inaccurate. And it's even worse if I'm inaccurate and it's like detrimental to someone who's trying to do something yeah. creative. You know what I mean? I feel that is wholly goes against what I believe. Um, so I was like, oh man, that's horrible. I don't want to do that again. So that I think about that a lot. And like, I, I want to be careful that I don't do stuff like that going forward. Right. So it's, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Well, I, I consider ham radio crash course, the channel as one of the clubs I'm part of, right? I mean, there's not regular meetings or anything like that, but um, yeah, you're, you're certainly one of the most open and, and you really talk about being inclusive in the hobby. And uh, even if you have an opinion on something, it leans on the side of not gatekeeping or trying to impose that opinion on anybody else. You're just saying, this is what I think. And even in debates, I know on Twitter and, you know, other platforms, you've um, you've had to step in and and kind of strongly assert your opinion, but it's always I always feel that sense of this is inviting discussion. This is not me trying to say no, you're wrong and and you're completely you know out of line or anything like that. It's just more of a inviting and inclusive mindset. So I just wanted to know your thoughts on that. It's a really big it's a really big topic of discussion. We're already in such a technically difficult hobby in certain aspects of it and there are people that are within the hobby that kind of have a gatekeeping is is the word that we use and i and i feel that even where they're coming at it from like what their their feeling is that they're trying to protect radio to keep it um to keep it strong to keep it full of people that are knowledgeable about how radios work that that can mm -hmm. do the things that people were more required to do in the past, like actually build a radio and all that stuff. I think where they're coming from is an admirable place. Mm -hmm. So I, I generally start, I, I generally start when I'm, when I'm dealing with people kind of like that. And, and there's plenty of other examples of, of situations I've been in where I try to understand what their argument is. What are they trying to do? I understand they're trying to say, this is not right. You shouldn't do this. You should do this. Right. But why are they doing that? And once I can kind of wrap my head around the why, I feel I'm better capable of responding to it. In the case of the gatekeeping and the inclusivity um, versus the exclusivity of radio, I've found that, and, and it seems to be playing out in a lot of cases, where if you have a closed environment, you have gatekeeping and you have exclusivity, meaning you're, you're kind of guarded with the information you put out, then over time, 
the population of your group is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. Right. And, just and I don't want to see that happen with ham radio. Mm -hmm. So what I've always thought was a better approach is treat ham radio as like one big umbrella of things. Like there's so many different aspects of it and kind of pick a goal or the thing you're interested in at the moment and try to get proficient in that area. And then always consider yourself a newcomer to whatever area you go into. Mm -hmm. So that way you can be kind of humble to the people that know the information that of course give it to you in a positive way, right? If they're just negative, like nobody's going to learn anything. But if they are open with their information, then it it's, becomes an easier way for you to just receive it from them. The yeah. problem is, is that you got people out there that, that don't want to be open with the information. And that, again, that goes back to the, are we going to, is, is the hobby going to start to dwindle? People say it already is. I think YouTube is a great platform to kind of fight that because obviously we can reach thousands and thousands of people without it being a club situation. At the same time, I totally support the one-on-one -on -one knowledge transfer, the, the transfer that happens in, an, in a physical club meeting when everybody goes to a club mm -hmm. because there's a hands-on kind of learning that people, most people do better at, right? When they can see it, touch it, understand and learn it. So it it's a, it's a the way I, I guess I come back to it is there's really no one right answer, but the best right answer is try to just be nice to everybody yeah. <laughs> and, and, under, yeah. and appreciate that if you're just nice, whether you know the, you know the information and you're helping someone else out or you don't know the information and you're trying to get the information from someone else, just be nice, just be yeah. nice, be really clear in what your expectations are. And I guess clarity is, is also a really good point. When I try and talk to people about something, and this is both ways. Again, I either don't know something and I want to learn it, or I do know something and I want to convey that information. I try not to be brief with what my questions are or what my points are. Mm -hmm. I try to get to, to the, I try to clear or flesh out the, the detail that I want to talk about to the point of where my understanding like is, and then kind of like say, okay, where am I wrong? Or here's what I understand now, and, and this is what led me to this understanding. I know I'm talking very high level. I do that a lot, yeah. but um, <laughs> it's fine. It, the, the reason for that is, it's again, it's so complicated. You can almost apply it to anything. Yeah. It might be an engineering uh, thing that I like to do. We always say, give me the 30,000 foot level, right? Give me the... Uh, yep. Give me the 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 takeaways, quick takeaways, so that I can I can take those quick takeaways and I can drive down deeper we if I to, want it to. We need to abstract this, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. So yeah, that that's generally how I I I try to not piss people off because then no one's going to get what they need to get out of the situation, and I also want to protect although that's a kind of a weird word to use for ham radio protect new people that are in the hobby because uh -huh. uh, i've seen i'm not affected by this as much because i don't really care what people tell me I, I've, I've been doing youtube long enough that comments mean comments just wash right off of my back like a like water off of a duck's back kind of thing mm -hmm. but i do know a lot of people have joined the hobby and i've seen it in in some of the other facebook groups we've seen it in the ham radio crash course and we jump on those people if they're if they're rude but um, I've seen people ask questions and they get like really snide responses. And I never understood that. I never got it because it's like, what are you trying to accomplish? Yeah. You have, you have a new ham radio operator. That ham radio operator is what in, in mass is protecting our access to these 
frequency spaces. Mm-hmm. And if you treat that newcomer like garbage, right out of the gate, the chances are that they're going to keep up with ham radio is probably going to be hurt and damaged yeah. directly as a result of how they replied to them on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I, uh, that, that always bothers me. That's why I was like, no, I'm not going to allow that. Um, not in the, fa- the Facebook group for the Hammer to Crash Course, not in the Discord, you know, not on the YouTube streams. That's one of my big no-nos because what's the point? It helps yeah. no one. Yeah. And you did comment on that a little bit in your talk with uh, KB9 RLW where you've been on YouTube so long that even the negative comments, you, you're looking for what they're trying to say and you're looking for what to learn from that. Um, yeah. I know that they say the longer you're on YouTube or in a public setting like online, you grow a thick skin, which I kind of don't agree with because I think it's more that you're, you're being, you, you do let it roll off but at the same time you're you just in gaming terms you're a tank right you you tank the (laughs) the damage right okay and and you process it right it's not like you just say i don't care what anyone thinks i'm just gonna say what i'm gonna say right you're it's more of a you know just having this ability to discern past the emotion and and think think about you know, you hit the key word. I'm not generally an emotional person to begin with. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fairly pragmatic and objective to situations. At least I try to be. If I know the right answer is the right answer and, and we're just spinning our wheels, like I will say something. But um, this happens a lot at work, um, but not so much, not so much here um, in the in the collaborative space of, of YouTube and whatnot. I have found that a lot of what I assume when I read a comment is not actually someone being snide or rude. It's that the context and tone of their message is lost via YouTube comments or Facebook comments. Yeah. I've found that when I take a comment that I thought was like coming from a place of that person being rude and I asked them to clarify it or I, I focused on a specific part of their comment and say, uh, what do you mean by that? Like, what did I do wrong in this case? And then they come back and they're like, oh, no, okay, well, I didn't mean that to offend you. I meant, you know, you should have done X, Y, and Z and this is the good way to do this because it will prevent damage to your radio, stuff like that, right? Yeah. And I, I, I think that is a byproduct of all just all of us humans being online now we kind of get into this mindset where we almost assume everybody is kind of in our head a bit like we they that that you understand the context of my message i understand the context of your message as though we're speaking but we're not talking to each other so those you know the the facial affects, the body language, stuff like that's totally lost, right? In, in, a, in an online discussion. So you almost have to get clarification to understand what the person meant, right? Yeah. And I found generally when I do that, that all of a sudden the comment wasn't a negative one. It was, oh, there's actually a piece of information I should glean from this. Mm, yeah. I wanted to switch to a different topic. Uh, because you know of your brand and reputation that you've built over all these years, you have access to a lot of cool new gear. Um, I bet you even have to decline a lot of review requests <laughs> because of the of your popularity on YouTube. Um, I, I want to talk about this so bad because I think there's some big misconceptions okay. that people have. Go but ahead. No, go ahead. Keep, is it <laughs> well, all right I, if I dive you in? You know, I was just really 
wondering about that experience for you and yeah. uh, does it help you pick out favorites or are you just more of the every ham who's going yeah. out and seeing what's going on out there and oh look at this there's this new thing sure um so the first thing the and this is not all the creators i'm not speaking for anybody but myself here but you know if they want to if they want to reach out and say something or whatever you know i'll, I'll let them how say what they want to say the the companies that that send stuff out to people are generally the chinese companies and they will just almost send a radio to anybody but they always email and they want to like almost guarantee that they're going to get a good review out of it mm, right okay so i generally don't take anything from any of the chinese companies um, that has generally been my modus operandi um I do have a G-Sock that's coming. Uh, I think, you know, for the people that bought that, the G90 face unit, head unit thing yeah. that they came out with. I paid for that. Um, I'm kind of at the point now where the channel affords me to buy things that mm -hmm. I want to review so that I don't have to be tied to brands. Um, and I think a lot of people view that as, as kind of a preferred way to do things. Mm -hmm. As far as what you would consider the major amateur radio brands, while they do sometimes work with creators, um, it's generally not for like, here is a freebie. Like there's not a, here you go, you open a box and it's like, hey, I didn't even ask for this. What's this all about? Mm -hmm. There's generally some kind of discussion on like, well, what are you going to do? Oh, I want to do this project or I'm doing this giveaway. Case in point, um, ICOM, they, when I hit 100,000 subscribers, I contacted them to get an ICOM. I wanted to buy it. And they said, mm -hmm. no, we'll sponsor that giveaway video. So we were very clear in terms, right? It was a, that's what we did. That was, and that was the deal, right? Mm -hmm. It was purely for that one video. And I, I find that that's, it's good, right? It, it's good that we can kind of just have this open discussion point and it allows the access, right? For people that wanted to win a 7,300, for instance. Um, but at the same time, it's not this like open door. Here's any radio you want. Yeah. I will go a bit deeper into this, though, and, and let me break this down a little bit. When I was at 50,000 subscribers, I didn't talk to that many brands. I didn't really have an, an open line to, to talk to a lot of them. As I've progressed, some of those doors have opened up, and it's a little bit easier for me to reach out to people, and that's probably a byproduct of the subscribers and, and whatnot. Um, that doesn't mean that I just get stuff shipped to me because I don't. <laughs> I do, however, and I think other people are, are doing this as well. Um, but again, I'm just talking about myself. Ham Radio Outlet has been extremely, extremely nice to me because I'm so close to them. Um, I'm literally five miles, not even five miles, maybe two, three miles from my home. The uh, Anaheim store. Mm -hmm. I can kind of just hop down there and I can borrow something from them. And it's basically like I, um, I'm... I'm buying it. They've got it. You know, I, I do all the paperwork. I do all the stuff. And I mentioned this in the videos, right? That, mm -hmm. that ham radio outlet has let me borrow this uh, radio mm -hmm. and I will very carefully handle it. And I will, I will take the plastic off only where absolutely necessary, but yeah. I'll keep it and I'll put it back on. Um, and, and I'll do the review and I'll take a look at it. And they've been, they've been fairly, um, they've been great to work with, by the way. They're, they're fantastic. Everybody there. I, I love those, uh, love those people. Well, I bet you, you could sign one of them and then they could 
sell it at <laughs> <a> premium. <laughs> that's that's what I should start doing. I should like pop the case and sign my name on the inside, yes. close it, and tell nobody. And then it's the secret uh, KI6NAZ radio running around there. Yeah. But generally, no, I, I don't get freebies. I get access to stuff that's like new. I would say, and it's not a keeper. It's a it's a check it out, say what you want to say about it, and send it back. Um, and frankly. I don't know what I would do with with more radios. There's only so many I can play with at a time. I'm actually trying to like cull things down to a reasonable set of radios that I just want to yeah. have uh, that I can keep, you know, that I really 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 like. And so far I'm I, I think I'm getting to a I'm getting to a good number. We we started a, a ham radio crash course buy sell trade Facebook group because we were asked a lot about it. But then I was thinking to myself, well, I've actually got some stuff I got to move out of here. So, this is not a bad idea to begin with. So that's kind of what's uh, what's in the pipeline is I'm probably going to start moving some stuff out of here. Yeah. So what are some of your favorite pieces of gear right now? Rigs. I know that um, uh, we were when you were talking with the guy from Stepper. Is that yes. Stepper or Step IR? I was thinking, I don't know, is is he going to take down his hex beam and actually try one of these out? And then the next thing I know, <laughs> you're like, hey, putting up yeah. this new Stepper uh uh, adjustable uh, also beam. also a good point i bought that antenna yeah <laughs> they didn't give me an antenna um yeah boy that's a that's a really good so i can just talk about the shack what i use and what i really like uh, in addition to that i still use the 7300 it's it's mm-hmm. fine for for my situation in fact it's it's better than fine i love it I've, you know i've had it for years now um the ameritron al811h that is MFJ affiliate mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, owned by MFJ. I use that amp. That's been solid. It's just fine for single sideband. Um, you can buy them cheap if you go through like Giga Parts or, or Ham Radio Outlet, you know. Go through Ham Radio Outlet just because they're so nice to me. Um, <laughs> the Step IR has been fantastic. I, man, that was very ambitious on my end to, to go with that antenna. That thing is big. Mm-hmm. I, Leia is, uh, is, <laughs> she's constantly suffering through my uh through my antenna decisions. i, I want to take a quick moment to say that she's awesome your podcast yes. is it's such a joy to listen to and i will also link your podcast from my podcast show notes to point people to it but you know just the banter between you two i think i've told you privately on twitter that i just yeah. love the episodes because it's just, there's just a dynamic there that that i love but also leah's um support of all of this is just astounding to me and um she really deserves a lot of credit here for for just the success of the show and all the ideas on on ham tactical with the shirts and and hoodies and all that it's just it's fantastic but anyway sorry to interrupt i just wanted to say that because i i know there's a huge like underlying support there that you get that is amazing yeah, she's she's the the best. You know, I, I love her with all my heart. She is absolutely my soulmate, and no question, uh, the the ability for me to do the content that that I put out is one hundred percent because of her. There's no way we'd be able to like have a fully functioning family if it was just me helming the whole thing. Because you know, yeah. I'm I'm crazy. Uh, but no, yeah, she's constantly suffering through the antennas I put up. Good point about the podcast. We put four of those out a month, so I've got that also that I gotta I gotta do every uh, every week. Mm-hmm. The step IRs has been fantastic. I, I 
it is a major upgrade over the hex beam but i don't think that's surprising it's also you know a bit more than double the cost of a of a hex beam and really the discussion on that one was i was talking to um I'm trying to think of the name steve i think it might be steve i apologize no jeff jeff i was talking to jeff over at step ir and i was like hey the urban beam looks really slick uh it's got a cool profile the wife's not happy about the hex beam uh what do you think i'm thinking about upgrading and he actually was, he was like, well, he was like, you're not really going to get that much of a difference out of the urban beam over your hex beam. They're both two element Yaggies, basically. Yeah, I'm, I was actually a little surprised that the hex beam uh, would perform, well, less than than the step IR, but go on. Sorry. No, the urban beam. Oh, okay. The urban beam is the um, is the two element Yaggy. Okay, got it. Yes. It looks like a bow tie. Yes. Right? So that's what I was going to upgrade to. And he's like, well... He's like, I know this might not work for you, but why don't you think about a three element because you're going to get much more gain over the hex beam. So it went from like a, sec a 6 dB gain to like 12 dBs of gain. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, you know, or, you know, that was, that was a, a better, a better approach to the whole thing. So I was like, okay, fine. And then I had to figure out, I had to go up on the roof and measure it all out because we're cutting it real close with those elements. Um, yeah. It's it's big. It's very big. And you have but a few a videos out there where we actually see the scale of this project and you have these poles and I'm like, how did he get those things up there? <laughs> yeah. That was the easiest part. It, it's very easy to install if you did it the way I did and, and you can actually be on the roof. The hardest part was just lifting the boom up, uh, yeah. the fully assembled boom. Mm -hmm. But that, you know, fully fully loaded, that antenna is 50 pounds, 55 pounds maybe. It's not that heavy. But most of that is the boom and the um, the LHUs. What is it? LHU? LMDU? I think it might be LMDU. Anyway, uh, acronyms, acronyms. The, the boxes that control the tape that feeds out. Mm-hmm. Those, when they're all fully loaded onto the boom, is the heaviest part of the whole thing. And that I just kind of, you know, hand over hand pulled it up onto the roof, and that was it. It was it was not hard. I did it all by myself. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> you didn't get any help. No, no. I need no I need help from the neighbors okay. uh, to lift to push the boom up the final uh -huh. foot to two feet up that I can get it and and get it a little bit higher up. I'd like it up a little bit more. That'll help get away from some of the noise inside the house and the neighbors and stuff like that. But, you know, any little bit helps. I tell myself that I'm always fighting for noise. As far as other gear, uh, obviously I've been talking about the 705. I'm talking yeah. about it because I actually really do like it. Mm -hmm. And for those of you that aren't on the Patreon side that the newsletter just came out, I kind of explain in the newsletter, and I've mentioned it in some of the videos, the radio is kind of like a multi-tool, like a multi-tool you'd put in your pocket, like a, yeah. you know, a little plier, needle-nose plier multi-tool, Leatherman or a, a Gerber or whatnot. It kind of just does everything, and it can just go with you all the time. So whatever you want to do, you can pretty much do with it. You do have to work around some of the realities of it, like the the, the lack of a tuner, but... That's not that huge of a problem. Yeah. I think people are too worked up over that personally. And it's QRP, but mm -hmm. okay. You, you, we know that going in, right? You know what you're getting when you, when you go that route. Yeah, one of the things I want to try out, I learned from your one of your latest videos was the um, satellite thing through Ham Radio Deluxe. I didn't even, well, t 
to be honest, I use Ham Radio Deluxe really just to log. And I had no idea that there was this other functionality that would actually control my radio and do Doppler for me. And so it I'm will, thinking of putting my J-Pole up there, um, yeah. you know, and, and just hooking it up. I have a 705 arriving soon. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited to try out non-FM satellites and, and actually power that through HRD. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't talk so much about the linear satellites. Those are a bit different from FM. There's a little bit of a learning curve on that side of it. HRD will also do rotor control. So it will act if you had a, a you know an advanced kind of satellite setup, it would do your XYZ rotor control as well, wow. which is pretty fantastic. And and the app works very well. So that's kind of a favorite thing. I can say an amp or the the app, um, Ham Radio Deluxe. That's mm-hmm. been a, a recent tool of mine for just you know dinking around with the 705 um what else raspberry pi you know that is such a cool it's a tool right to a certain degree you can do so much with the raspberry pi they're fantastic with uh with ham radio as far as you know like you use the build a pie script from km4ack also a youtuber right go check him out it's so cool to just one of my favorite things is I'll leave uh, a pie. There's a pie that sits on top of my 7300. I'll just leave it connected on um, SSTV on 20 meters. Yep. This is, is one of my 14? favorite videos of yours as well. Yeah. 14.230. And I'll just leave it sitting there. And I'll let it run like all week long, just receiving all the SSTVs. In fact, I got to start doing that again. And then like on the live stream, we would just kind of like jokingly go through some of the crazy stuff that people send out on the air because some of them are just you've almost got like cursed images that that come up and you've got like really (laughs) bad memes and you know a lot of trump for president comes up nowadays but it's 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 cool it's just super cool i have so many cool things um that i could that (laughs) i could talk about this is a question that can go on (laughs) <laughs> oh, it can. Uh, I'll throw another shout out to the Hako soldering iron station. Oh, it's yes, like absolutely. Hundred bucks. Uh, yes. That thing's fantastic. If you're interested in kit building, you should check that out. I know a hundred dollars is probably more than a lot of people want to spend, but absolutely the way to go if you're if you're getting started in in kit building. You're, you're talking about the blue and yellow one. Is that yep. the one? I yep. forget the model number. FX. 88 something or 288 got me but yes no i can't see it i actually picked that one up as well love that Mm -hmm. one just Mm -hmm. fires up like within 10 seconds i'm soldering it's great stuff yeah it's hard to beat something about the little uh their pointed tip is slightly flat it's like a chisel tip on the, the something about that is just works really well for for working on kit projects okay more generalized question here uh what are some of the favorite aspects of ham radio just in general and or the ham community um the the best part i'll take the 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 second part first one of my favorite parts about the ham community is we're all doing something we may be doing the same thing we may be doing different things but there's a lot of passion in it Mm-hmm. and technical interest right and so the the technical level of knowledge in the community is extremely high and that is always a lot of fun and we'll find you know this happens a lot on the discord people have discussions on you know just what's hypothetically possible like well can we do this can we can we do like sstv over the discord it's like well, this isn't really radio related but it's a lot of fun right to just kind of dink around and and be 
an acceptable space to just be kind of a, a nerd, right? Like just yeah. kind of geek out on stuff. Nerd. I, I love that aspect of the the community. Uh, over on QRZ, you know, as as much as much as it can be uh, toxic in some aspects, what's really amazing is the the forums that are kind of about the technical areas. Really, really smart people in there that are really, really fast to help out and, and really helpful with their information. I'm trying to think of what it was that I was working on. And um, it was a, I built a radio. What was the radio? Yes, I built that QRP radio that fits in an Altoids tin. And I was, I ended up walking through the schematics with somebody on QRZ. And he ultimately figured out that the part that they shipped the component was not the part in the bag but it was very difficult to like see it the way that it was silkscreen was was not correct on the on the actual part and so yeah i ultimately had to contact the the manufacturer or the the person that put the kit together and let them know it's like hey you've got the wrong uh transistor you're sending out and they're like oh my gosh you're right we cut and so we caught that <laughs> hopefully it wasn't a big deal is that the you know pixie? that was is say it again pixie radio is that the Altoids radio, or is it a different kind of radio? No, it's the, um, well, hold on. Let me see. It's right here. Yeah, this guy. This one. Okay. And, you're, you know, this is podcast, so this is really good uh, visual uh, stuff that I'm, <laughs> I'm showing here, as we like to say on my podcast. That's What's cool about this guy is the BNC is, is on the board, and so is the key. Uh -huh. The key itself, it's it's a button click. But I, I had a video that I put up on this and then a follow-on video of when I got it sorted out. So that's a that's a really good example. As far as what I enjoy about the hobby is the technical challenge of trying to make all this stuff work, like make meaningful contacts with people in kind of odd, interesting ways. Mm -hmm. You know, digital modes are, are fascinating and, and oftentimes easy to make contacts but like last week on the after chat which is what we do after the live stream i think we spent like a good hour and a half just playing around with jsa calls relay mode for messages mm -hmm. so we basically you know jsa call has a, a wonderful suite of of features within the software and, and i absolutely recommend people check it out if they haven't already but there's a whole aspect of it that functions almost like a packet radio bbs system mm-hmm so we just played around with that. We were relaying through each other to send each other messages um, on 40 meters on HF. And, you know, everybody in the chat room, I was on Twitch, you know, people are watching me on Twitch do this. And, and we're just walking through like kind of best practices. And, you know, how would you use this if there was, you know, some kind of grid down situation or you're out, you know, uh, off grid somewhere? Kind of how would you do this to relay a message through a station you can hear to get to somebody else to get to somebody else and, mm -hmm. you know, be able to drop a message, which was really cool. I got you on ham alert. So I see. KI6NAZ on GS8 call mm -hmm. quite often, actually. <laughs> yeah. I'll look at my FTA. phone because I have, I'm one of those guys who doesn't turn on notifications on my phone. So mm -hmm. I actually will just pick up my phone and I'll see a bunch of ham alerts and I'll say, oh, there's Josh. <laughs> and it will be like two hours ago. So I know that you're probably not there anymore, but <laughs> it, it usually goes, I usually start popping up 
before and after the live streams. That's when people really start seeing me because everybody wants to make a contact on FT8. So I'll just like hop on there and we'll mm -hmm. slam through a bunch of them. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's uh, Hamler. That's another good app. Throw that one out there. If you don't already have that, check that out. Uh, yeah. Is it for Android or is it just iOS? I am not sure, actually. I just, I have an iPhone, have mm -hmm. had one for many, many years since the first one. So yeah, me yeah. too. Speaking of kits, anything you're building or have planned soon that you'll be yeah, either live so building I, or are building and we'll talk about? I'm kind of in this nonstop um, figure out what's going on with this amp that I want to connect to the 705, my, my dumb little QRP amp. I, I think we found out that the QRP amp is the problem. And I think the reason might have been that the KX2 keyed high and damaged the keying side of the amp. So mm -hmm. I'm in the process of troubleshooting that and figuring out what's going on because I'd like to get that working. Uh, I have a bunch of kits kicking around here that I haven't been able to get to. Kit radios are always a lot of fun. They're probably like my least popular live streams that I put up, but I can always just do a kit build video. You know what I mean? Any yeah. any yeah. time that I, I'm, you know, running late on a show idea or I'm still working on slides for something that will become a presentation in the future, I could just do a kit video. In fact, there's a tuna can, there's a tuna can CW transmitter around here that's just always sitting on my desk. I guess, you know, it's my break glass emergency kit in case I need a radio kit right now. I can just grab that and build it. So you spoke a little bit about the video ideas. And I am, and you also poll us as as your Patreon supporters. You say, "Hey, what what do you want to watch next?" But yeah, I imagine that you have kind of a running list either in your head or somewhere in your notes where you're like, "Okay, these are the upcoming videos that I'm playing for the next I don't know quarter or yep. year or whatever." Any situations where total blanks, totally nothing ready, just shortly oh, before yeah. a live stream. I had, um, what happened? I had a video planned and I didn't get the thing I needed. It, the shipping told me it would be there the day before, but it didn't show up and it didn't show up the next day either. So I had to like basically cancel that. And that turned into a Zoom chat where we just opened it up and I let all the other YouTube creators hop on mm -hmm. and just anybody really. We just took... Q&A from everybody. That was a lot of fun. I mean, th th those always kind of work out cool when you do stuff like that. But yes, I do have a notes page that is on my phone that is, you know, on the cloud that I'm, I'm actually looking for. It. I don't know where it went right now. I'm a little freaked out. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking for uh -oh. it right now. But yeah, it's got all the all the little things I think about uh, show ideas that, you know, not just in fact, the shows are harder than the standalone videos. The standalone videos, you know, the, the 20 minute or so videos, you know, I have a, it's a, just a list that just goes on and on yes. and on. It's, I have a similar one for, for this podcast. What's that? I have a similar one for this podcast. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. To and, be honest, it's running a bit light now. <laughs> oh, well, I can send you some more. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, I always kind of just keep a little list of, of stuff like that going. What I found really helpful, actually, is you can use Google search trends and you can type in something like ham radio and it'll show you adjacent searches. Mm -hmm. You can do the same thing for YouTube. Mm 
So as a, as a creator, I can just pull up the top trending ham radio related search terms mm -hmm. and I can get a quick list of what everybody's searching for. And if I look at the top, you know, 10 of them and I go, wow, five of those, uh, I either have the stuff to do a video on, or I've been meaning to talk about it. We'll add that to the list. And then that kind of gets its bump to the top faster mm -hmm. so that I can do something that is both in line with what I like and what I'm passionate about and what people are obviously searching for. Yeah. You also do a lot of call-ins and you've had Zoom things where people can join. In fact, I, I remember joining one of those once. Uh, there's certain risks there since it's live. Have yes. you ever um, had to go through something like that where you had to just shut someone down for either trolling or, or, or kind of crashing your your stream or anything like that? Yeah, there was. Um, and it it wasn't it wasn't trolling in the sense that like, they were being malicious, but there was um, there was somebody that was trying to call in and they were trying to bridge in another Zoom session or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was it happened to be when I was a lot of the times if I throw it to Zoom, I expect it to just be open questions like people can ask whatever they want. In this case, though, it was I was trying to get questions specifically on the topic that I was discussing. Mm -hmm. I think it was like antennas or new hams, you know, new ham terms, stuff like that. So I wanted to try and keep it focused. And so. You know, I set up the Zoom where there's a waiting room, and if you don't, if I if I can see it, then and I click on them, and they're not like quick to say something or they say "baba booey, baba booey" or whatever, I can just click yep. a button and they're and they're muted or they're gone. I do kind of hover my mouse over the over the kick button, and, and <laughs> for at least just the, waiting. The first time. <laughs> for the first time, they call in. Like if it's a, a call sign or a name I don't recognize, I'm always like. Hey, new caller, how's it going? And I'm just hovering over the yeet button in case I just got to click it and, and send them, send them packing. But so far it's been fine. I had a kind of a side unrelated question. Yeah. You, you mentioned this a lot. Does it chooch? What, ah. what is chooch? Mm. <laughs> there are a lot of references in some of my videos to other YouTube channels. So if you have not seen the channel, a V E there are some terms that won't make sense. So alpha Victor echo, right? A V E mm -hmm. very, very popular YouTuber out of Canada. And he does tool reviews, which are called, um, B O T L board of tool, sorry, B O T R board of tool reviews. And he does these reviews where he basically will take the tool apart and he'll walk through structurally where this tool is bad, or this is a good value. And he'll try and sometimes break the tool in certain, um, kind of demonstrations. And he uses these Canadian, um, euphemisms and slang terms. And one of them is chooch. And really, that is a term for making something work or will it work? Mm -hmm. if, if you say, will it chooch, they're saying, will it work or, or can it function if I've done this, this, that, and the other to it? <laughs> like my ruler that everybody complains about, I got, a, I got a comment on my ruler. I've got this ruler that's printed on a PCB and it says AVE on it. And the people who know what it's from get the reference and they think it's funny. But it's it's like six inches long, so it's not the best ruler for like measuring mm -hmm. a radio. So mm -hmm. sometimes I'll put it on I'll put it on a video where the ruler's shorter than the thing I'm trying to measure. And <laughs> oh man, people get so mad at that. But it's a joke, right? And it's I'm not trying to be like I'm not breaking out calipers and trying to get it down to the micron level of what the size is. It's like at hey, seven inches, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> um, so that that always cracks me up when, yeah. when people get upset about those things. Chooch. 
I always thought it was like re- referring to a uh, a train or something, you know, choo choo or something like that. I, I didn't I didn't know what it was about. <laughs> you know, I don't know where it came from either. So I, I could be using a term that's just horrible. It's like some really <laughs> vulgar Canadian slang. And I'm just using it because AVE used it and he's a cool guy. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. That's <laughs> I should probably look into that. So how has COVID and the shutdown affected your your operation or even just, you know, how you do videos and man, COVID's made everything harder for me. It's actually definitely affected my video productions. Um, And part of it is because my wife has a job. She works. My kids are obviously at home. And so my wife has to work when I'm at home. And the kids have to go to school when I'm at work. So my wife is like doing double duty of being, you know, teacher, keeping them on on track because Edison's four. So he's not really in school yet. So she's Mm -hmm. both teacher, teacher's assistant. And then I get home and sometimes she'll just go to work like late. Mm -hmm. And then I've got to take care of the kids, you know, do all the stuff that, you know, you're supposed to do as a parent, all that good stuff. Um, And I still have to go into the office. So it's totally made things um, much more difficult. It, it, it really has affected um, the, the video production, at least to the amount that I would like to be doing. Mm-hmm. My general level of comfort is I usually am making more video, like shooting more video um, than I have that I'm going out. And I'm almost like hand to mouth uh, with videos a lot of time. Like I'll, I'll shoot something, I'll edit it, I'll post it. I'll shoot something, I'll edit it, I'll post it versus mm-hmm. I'll shoot a whole bunch and then I'll kind of work my way through it. Kind of like I talked about in the beginning. Yeah. COVID has definitely changed. That. So, so less of a buffer, less of a buffer, um, more of a seat of the pants kind of thing, which can be fun in its own, in its own yeah. right. In some cases. Well, this has certainly been one of the longer episodes, but a lot of great stuff that we've been talking about. I just wanted to close it out. Uh, do you have any advice for people who want to participate in like your HRCC activities or any of your causes? Oh yeah. There's, there's all kinds of fun stuff that we've got going on. Uh, the, the fastest way to find about any of it is just go to the ham radio crash course on YouTube and pull up the video description. The links for all the stuff we have going on should be in the description we have a Facebook group. We have a very active Discord. We just crossed uh, 10,000 members on Discord yeah, that's amazing. Uh, a week or two ago. A lot of fun there. There's a podcast, same name, Ham Radio Crash Course. And that podcast, you know, we, we kind of briefly touched upon it, is actually me talking to my wife about Ham Radio and what's going on in Ham Radio. She is not licensed. She's slowly working her way through the practice tests, and and she's humoring me um, in a lot of ways in in my having her on the show. We do it because it's kind of a fun thing for her and I to do together. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of fun doing that. Man, what else? There's obviously the Patreon, which we kind of mentioned, which is um, where I do a newsletter and some other stuff for the different levels of Patreon. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I'm I'm I hope I got it all. Uh, there's a lot. <laughs> oh, we have nets. Yeah, I almost forgot. Every Thursday, we have our HRCC digital net, which, Dennis, you've helped us out immensely in that area. But we cover DMR, uh, Yesu System Fusion, Wires X, and now D-Star. And that's yep. thanks to Dennis is uh, helping us out with that. Yeah, we actually, it was touch and go for, the, for a while there. But mm-hmm. I can say that it's stable now. Good. <laughs> 
it, the complexity of, I mean, if you think about it, you've got all these people that are transmitting in different digital modes and we're all trying to like coalesce them into something and then spread them out back onto the other digital modes. It's, it's fairly difficult to do all that. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks to you and Ethan and Loyal and, and the others that have been involved in that, it's 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 working. And that's every Thursday at, I believe, 6.30 Pacific Standard Time is when we do it. But yeah. they're always up and running. And the fastest way to, to follow that is if you go to hrcc.link. Yep. And, and I'll put take that you in the show notes as well. No, thank but, you. Um, and that'll put you on the status of, of all the reflectors and connections and all that stuff. And then we have an HF net, and that is also 6.30 p.m. on Fridays. And that generally starts out on 20 meters and migrates to 40 meters. Mm -hmm. And we've got a couple of people that run that. Um, Connor Black is one of them. And Matt, another one of the uh, HRCC uh, moderators and admins. When Matt stations up, he's he's a really good net operator. So is Connor. They're they're all great, but uh, that's a lot of fun too. Is getting people on HF. I I've noticed when I started the Ham Radio Crash Course, it was a lot of people that were not familiar with am amateur radio or had their technician license, and we're starting to crest the wave of them getting into HF. More people getting into HF, and I'm mm -hmm. like ecstatic about that. So I'm very happy that that's going the way it's going. Yeah. Just really quick, too, just thinking about that, because you do have a big mix in your audience. Uh, what are you at now, like 150K, almost 200? Um, uh, I am at 145,000 as of today. Yeah. And so there's a big mix coming in. It's um, a lot of people who have followed you for the longest time, and they've progressed some, some even to extra. Mm -hmm. And then you have this constant influx of new people who are like, hey, what is this about? And then they're like, oh my gosh, this is really cool. I want to get into this. So just your thoughts and comments about, you know, being inclusive to all the different ranges. Because I know my own viewing, sometimes I'm like, oh, we're going to talk about this. I, I, I don't really, I, I've been through this years ago. So, you know, that kind of thing. And then yeah. you don't want to get too esoteric and, and talk about concepts that are way advanced. And then someone coming in brand new is just like, I don't even know what's going on right now. What are they talking about? What is what is RST? What is all the all these acronyms they're using and jargon that they're using? So you're yeah. gonna have that happen, I think, no matter what. I, I can talk about the, the the highly technical ones first because those are actually a bit. It, it's harder to make the video, but it's easier to kind of get the newer folks in along with that. Is just break down the acronyms. Try and break down the harder concepts into. Yeah chunks of understanding that generally means it takes the video longer to get to the final result mm -hmm. but if you do that you you can bring in people that are a little bit newer i found now the flip side of that is when it's strictly a video for newcomers i try and add my own personal hacks my lessons learned my tips and tricks into that that people who are already doing it might get an idea of something that they could change or modify, or I ask for the feedback from the audience, you know, for you that are experienced, how did you handle this situation? Or yeah. if you are experienced, call in when we do the Zoom session and and we can have you explain that to people that are watching that, that are new. That It's always like try to leverage the community because I can't, I don't know everything, nor do I advertise myself as knowing everything. 
I could learn a lot more. And now there is enough people where I can just go direct and say, hey, you know, what do you think about this? Did I screw something up? What would you like to add? What would you take if I just hit scratch the surface? Could you add some more detail to it? So that's a lot of what we, I've been trying to do. And my playlists. Playlists have been helping out a lot. If you go to the YouTube channel, I try and put my newcomer videos on that top playlist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when people say, what do I do? How do I get started? I link them to that playlist and I say, this is not in order. It's only in order based off of what you're interested in. If yeah. something sounds interesting, go watch that video mm -hmm. and then just start jumping around and have fun with it. Yeah, cool. All right. Anything else you wanted to mention? Close just here? thanks for doing this. This is great. I, I love the I love the interviews. Keep them coming. Podcast is the uh, an excellent platform to do this kind of stuff with. Yeah. So we can we can be driving around doing yard work, washing dishes, and and we can hear people talk about ham radio. Yeah, definitely. And thank you so much for taking the time. I uh, I've been following you since I got into HF pretty much, and really really enjoy your videos definitely tried out a lot of new things because of you so it's really an honor to be able to talk to you <laughs> and have this time and uh yeah just just thanks keep doing what you're doing thank you that's that's very flattering and that is exactly what i want to hear is people are trying new things that's that's what it's all about so i appreciate that thank you very much yeah. dennis thank you all right seven three i'll catch you later oh i'll catch you in the stream and couple hours i guess right <laughs> yeah i gotta go get i'm gonna go do an interview of somebody else so k5 uh, ata we're gonna be talking about youth in ham radio yes. and what he's doing specifically uh in his school club that he is a teacher and an operator for all right thanks josh talk to you later thank you see ya You've been listening to Hamdom Thoughts by 8060M. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll catch you again next time.